Konnichiwa. And hey, y'all. I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. And welcome to Sumo, Sumo Kaboom. Where we talk about all things sumo. First of all, big thank you to you guys, our listeners, for showing us this week that, yes, football and sumo have crossed over. Several people sent us some video clips from football games that featured some, hmm, let's call them sumo throws. But Sumo Soul reached out to us and sent us a picture of Wakanahana, who had a very short-lived career with the Arizona Rattlers, a football team here in the States. And we had no idea that that had happened. So thank you so much for teaching us something about that. And you guys, please keep sharing. We're learning through you. The Texas Consulate Cup live streamed some fantastic sumo. Oh my on... gosh, it was so much fun to watch. Yes, it was. It was so great to get to know some of USA's top wrestlers and watch them live. I super enjoyed watching, oh my gosh, several people. At first, I want to give a shout out to Eris Armstrong, yes. who looks like a just a strong lady wrestler. That's I love right. It. She walked away with the women's open. In my perspective... Look, women are the key to the future of sumo because you got to have women in sumo in the Olympics for the men to be there. So um, it was really cool to see three women at the forefront of the sport show up and also wrestle with the men. That was yeah, so in the open. cool. Yeah. Men versus men, men versus women in the open division. That was super fun. I really enjoyed watching Cornelius Booker. I had yeah. not seen him do sumo before, and he walked away with the men's uh, middleweight title. Oh, Jose Galindo. Yeah, out of Los Angeles. Strong. Yeah, he's he's going to be quite something for the future, too. I love that Derek Garza won out of Dark Clan Fight Lab. Yeah, I love that. You know, Dark Clan Fight Club walked away looking really strong, which proves that, you know, many of these martial arts can cross over. Yeah, that was exciting. I hope that there was a lot of like new interest into sumo from this tournament. I know for me, I was just so excited to see our home homegrown athletes uh-huh. compete and do really well. I love seeing a lot of our, our listeners actually compete. And yes. that was like the neatest thing to be like, oh my gosh, I know who that person is because they're one of our listeners or we've had communication with them and they are competing. Speaking of David Murray. Yes. I singer. have been watching David Murray <laughs> sing on Instagram for months now. And it was like, oh, there he is as a sumo wrestler. How fun. He's just like the pros singing some, doing some sumo. Thoroughly enjoyed that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of crossover, crossover martial arts, we're going to talk more about crossover sports today. I got to tell you guys, this is an episode I've been waiting for for probably six months. We are going to talk today about Mongolian wrestling. wrestling. And it has been an interest of mine ever since I happened upon a video clip of Mongolian wrestling. And I was like, look at their Outfits. Oh, yeah. The outfits had me hooked oh, at day one. And we were going to tell you more about those <laughs> outfits in well, a Well, we're going to tell you more about the wrestling than the outfits, but the outfits yes. are really something they're, to write home about. Oh, my God. They're fantastic. We'll tell you more, but first we're going to tell you about some current events. Newsflash. I know you all are a little probably worried about Kota Shogiku with his left calf injury, but... In a phone call to the um, mayor of his hometown in Yanagawa, he talked to the mayor on September 30th about his future in wrestling. And he said 
that he wants to keep wrestling. He plans on being back in November, but he doesn't care if he's dropping down to Jurio. He just wants to wrestle. It was really interesting to hear him say, like, nope, I'm not done. Good for him. Yeah, I thought that was great news. I say let him wrestle until he's 60. But it's right. Well, we have a 50-year-old out there. Exactly. So why not? Yeah. You can do it. Also, Asana Yama and Takakeisho are like guns ablazing back at practice. Now, they've been going since pretty much last week, and there's some sort of payback they have ready for Shodai in November, I think. I think that's what they're working up towards. Now, Shodai has been on his little, uh, it's not little, it's quite a, an accomplishment, his Ozeki promotional tour, and uh-huh. he goes home and he visits his family, visits everyone, and I don't know, parades, and he gets his car, and he gets all the Anyway, it's a wonderful thing. It's everything he's worked for. But the thing is about it is that it takes up all of his time. This precious resting time that the wrestlers get after the Basho is over. And he said he is back and he got very little rest. Uh, He kind of dipped his toe into the world of practicing on Monday, but he really couldn't because the doyo had been rebuilt and it was still wet. So he kind of just lifted some barbells. So Uh I don't know. (laughs) He seems excited about November, but... From looking at it from the outside, looking in, it looks like Asanoyama and Takakesho are, like, going straight ahead. Well, you know, all three of them are thinking one of us is going to be Yokozuna first. Right. And I want it to be me. So I think it's great. Let them compete with each other. Yeah, there's some sort of rivalry going on. Uh, There's rivalry all over the place in that Sanyaku division. They all want to get there first. That's fantastic. Yeah. But Shodai seems amazingly like, yeah, I'll get back to practice. I'm okay. But I I get a little worried. I'm like, you got to get back in there. Takakesha and Asariyama have been going crazy for a week. Get in there, buddy. I say enjoy your party. It's all still there. Rest the body and then come back strong because we're, we're going to be rooting for the guy anyway. That's right. All of them will be rooting for him. Yes. So there's going to be a joint practice session for the wrestlers. Now, they haven't been able to do Degeko basically because of coronavirus. So they have not been able to go and wrestle with each other in other stables. Didn't they just open Degeko for anybody? Like anyone can practice with anyone else? Well, no. Uh Uh-uh. Spokesperson Shiba Toyama said the wrestlers who will come to this, it's a very special, like, well-timed out and thorough practice session that you have to kind of sign up for and you have to follow very certain protocols. Oh, like it's a supervised decade. Yes, yes. And there's, like... 10 Sekitori and then another an amount of the Makushita wrestlers. They have to be tested, obviously, for coronavirus. They have to be wearing masks and keep a distance of three meters away. I mean, they, they emphasize just how thorough this hmm. joint session was going to be so that they can actually do this very important thing that they didn't get to do last time, which was right. wrestle people from other stables. And I think that with injuries and, I don't know, washing the lash the last boss show, I thought, yeah, that was definitely something missing. And you could see that, I think, in the wrestlers when they wrestled. There was just a little rustiness. And I think that this is a big part of the process. So if you're in a smaller stable and you don't have any other high-ranking wrestlers to practice with, you're going to be really excited about this opportunity. Yeah, you to need go up, Yeah, to, be to go up against some bigger guys and to make sure your body is strong. 
I agree with you. I think that lack of training kind of shows up in injuries. I mean, same thing is happening in football. Oh God! Right Dak now, Prescott. Sorry, Dak Prescott got compound fracture. Got hurt oh. this weekend. Did I just laugh? I just laughed. I'm so sorry, Dak. That's not funny. Well, but I don't know if Dak's listening to us right now. I'm sure he is. I'm sure in Dak his is. hospital room, he is listening <laughs> to Sumo Kaboom. Let's hope. But yeah, sorry, Dallas Cowboy quarterback. I'm not a huge football follower, but I heard my dad groan from the other room as he was watching the Cowboy game last night. I saw him being, you know, carted off and crying. And I was like, oh, my God, what happened? Because I knew dad was watching it. Yeah, we all had to check in with dad to see if dad was okay. But the main point is more Dallas Cowboys have been getting hurt this season because their training session, their training season, rather, is shorter. You end up with more injuries in performance. And the same thing's happening in sumo, I think. Right. And we so, do not want to Dak Prescott in the sumo oh world. Oh, God, no, no, no. <laughs> but we send all of our love and good vibes to Dak Prescott. Even Can though I- we don't follow a lot of football, we do adore <laughs> Dak Prescott because it's in our blood and we are <laughs> Dallas girls. So it's just, it's part of us. And can I say, this sort of harkens back to our consulate cup this weekend. I want to say Texas sumo wrestlers and Texas uh, football players are really winning in the tattoo world. Oh, yeah. When I Great watched tats. the Consulate Cup, I was like, look at all of these tattoos. And I had forgotten that in the sumo world, you're not allowed to have tattoos or beards or long nails. I we actually, break the rules here I, in America, don't we? I had to go back and look up the sumo world. I was like, why don't we see tattoos in the professional sumo world? And it was like, oh, yeah, because there's a rule that says... You can't have them. And I'd forgotten about that role. Yeah, but you can have like massive sideburns like Chiotairu It's does. almost a beard. It I really, I was like, is. oh, I could see his rebellious side. <laughs> He's like, it's not a beard. Even though I really want a beard, it's just sideburns. It's, well, or it's just a fascination with Elvis and chops because <laughs> he's definitely got chops. Anyway. Mongolian wrestling. Mongolian wrestling. <laughs> The sexy sport of Mongolian wrestling. Yeah, this it is sexy. It we'll is. get we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> Can you hear like oh the t- I'm getting Twitter painted already. Oh. All right. So after watching numerous videos on wrestling in Mongolia, my head kind of began to spin this week with just how much wrestling there is in Mongolia. Yeah. So they have a really strong tradition dating back way back to Genghis Khan is the way it's pronounced, not Genghis Khan, like us Texans like Genghis Khan. It's Genghis Khan, Goldie Hawn's brother. Um, Genghis. Genghis. And he was kicking the world's ass way back when yeah. and expanding his empire. Now, he made sure while he was expanding his empire that his army spent much of its time wrestling to keep it in tip top shape. OK, so Mongolian boys ever since, have been wrestling from a very, very early age. It started with way, way, way back then. Actually, perhaps 7,000 years back. Like way before Jesus' time. Way before Jesus' time. (laughs) Like, were there Neanderthals back then? Who knows? Were there dinosaurs? Who knows? No, No, I know there's, I know, I know there's, I know. I know I'm not that dumb, but still, 7,000 years ago is like an eon away. And so one could say they have steadily for thousands of years perfected the art of wrestling. Okay, so a little backstory again on Genghis Khan. 
uh, or not Genghis, Chinggis Khan. Oh, Chinggis? Chinggis Khan. Like a ch ch. Yeah, ch ch. Like chain. Yeah, Chinggis Khan. At least that's the way they said it in all of the different documentaries that I watched. I kept hearing. Jing- I couldn't tell if it was Genghis or Chinggis because it happened really fast. And the Mongolian language is very like forward palate. It's a lot of ch- yeah, but they also have some Russian <laughs> stuff in there. But I'll talk about that because okay. of where it's situated. Okay, great. Okay, in 1206, Chinggis Khan uh, founded the Mongol Empire and he amassed the largest continuous land empire in history. We've all heard about this. Mongolia, though afterwards got tossed around for many hundreds of years, okay? And Mongolia kind of got taken back by the Chinese in the Yan Dynasty. And then Mongolia then decided to conquer somehow China again. And then back in 1711, okay, so there was like five or 600 years of like back and forth. But in 1711, it was kicked out of China for good. And it finally became its own independent and and weirdly mostly Buddhist monk like its population turned into 30% of the men in Mongolia became Buddhist monks. I don't know why. Uh, that's a whole other history lesson. But basically, there was this absorption, reabsorption from China. And then finally, it became independent until that collapsed. Okay. And so then the Russians came into play around 1921, 24. Uh, well, there's some independence in there, but they absorbed Mongolia. And then finally, in 1989, when the Soviet Union fell, the Russian occupation left Mongolia. And then Mongolia was sitting there all by itself, finally, finally, finally free of occupation and broke. But all of that to say is that for a thousand years, they have been warriors Let's just say for thousands of years, they've been at war. Yeah. Can you imagine this? If your ancestry is just war, I'm sure it's not just war. You would want your children to be fierce. And strong. And very, very strong. And so children from a very, very young age, three, five, they're all learning how to wrestle. They're on horseback riding bareback by five and they're herding and they're doing archery because you have to do that to be a good hunter. And training hawks. And training hawks. Eagles. Yes. So many of these young kids and men, like it is wished upon small children, like when they're born, the boys are born, they're like, we wish this child to grow up to be a wrestler. Mm -hmm. Not like to be a doctor or anything else. They're like, we want him to be a wrestler. Mm -hmm. And so it's in every Mongolian's mindset that a man should grow up to be a wrestler. It improves their independent thinking, how to learn to actually be kind, working with others, and to develop themselves and their spirit, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really interesting because it's not just about the war aspect of it. It's about how to be a good human being. Mm -hmm. So I dug deeper into the Mongolians and their extremely strong wrestling tradition and why so many of them have turned to professional sumo. And there's a bit of a backstory, again, just how Mongolians came to the sport. Popularity actually within Japan of sumo had kind of waned. Is that the word? Waned? Mm -hmm. Waned? Other generations, older generations, were still loving sumo, but unfortunately, the Japanese kids just didn't want to join up for many reasons, mostly the arduous practice, the time, the monk-like living you had to do if you were part of a stable. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them didn't want to wear a mawashi where they're bearing their bare butt. So as far as the Mongolian contingency in, in sumo, a lot of their success over the last 20 years has to do with the opportunities that sumo in Japan provided 
and impoverished Mongolia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Mongolia under Russian satellite rule, as I had mentioned earlier, suffered greatly and it collapsed completely when the Russians left. And you have a lot of this 3.3 million population. A lot of them live in Ulaanbaatar, but which is the capital. That's the capital. But 30% are still nomadic and mm-hmm. living a harsh life. and Living in those yurts that yes. we've all seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you want maybe more financially for your kids, about 20 years ago, an opportunity to do sumo in another country to be fed, taken care of, mm-hmm. was maybe something you would really consider. Mm-hmm. Now they have rebounded and Mongolia is becoming more of a rich nation with uh, about a $400 monthly salary. Uh, the average Mongolian. The average Mongolian would mm-hmm. make. Japan started to look really good and had a lot of conveniences and modern countries like Japan look like um, an incredible place to maybe send your kid who has a lot of wrestling potential. In 1992, the JSA, I believe it was JSA sponsored, I imagine it was, sponsored a recruitment tour to find more fresh blood for sumo, okay? And knowing the wrestling tradition in Mongolia, the sumo scouting team made their way to Ulaanbaatar. Now, this scouting event brought out about 300 boys, and they were choosing only six to go back to Japan. For a sport in Mongolia, sumo wasn't necessarily known Mm -hmm. as well back then. So that's still an incredible turnout. And ever since, especially since the rise of Asashoryu, Haramafuji, Hakaho, Kakaru, Mm -hmm. and Kyoku Tenho, there has been more and more publicity for sumo in Mongolia. So that continues to help with the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. I think the opportunity... And mixed with their actual success, these young boys, considering the harshness of their life in Mongolia, a life in the stable has been hard. I mean, it would be hard for anyone, but they managed to do it and do it really well. These boys were just rough, hardened kids that coming into sumo was not an incredible stretch. And see, Japan used to be the same way. Japan used to be a very impoverished nation where if you had mouths to feed and you didn't have the ability to do that well, you would have considered maybe sending your boys off to live in a stable so that they had a roof over their head and food to eat. Mm -hmm. Same thing with girls. You might send them off to become a maiko or a geisha, hopefully one day, Mm -hmm. so that they could have a chance at succeeding in their life and making more than maybe what a rural life would have given them. They excelled at sumo. That's kind of, I think, the explanation that made the most sense to me as to why the Mongolians have been so good in sumo specifically and in all of the world's wrestling, really, is that from a very young age, they've been doing it. To achieve greatness and to achieve career success, they had to look maybe without, outside of Mongolia, mm-hmm. and they have succeeded in doing so. There are some great documentaries that I will put links to in our show notes to watch about Mongolian wrestling. One of the things that makes the documentary so good is you get to see interviews with people like Asa Shoryu, who answer that very question, why are the Mongolians so good at sumo? And he said a couple of things that I thought were really interesting. He said, because young boys are used to riding by the time that they're three, yeah. they have very strong legs, yeah. super strong thighs. Yes. And he also just talked a lot about how Mongolian wrestling is in their blood because they've been doing it for thousands of years. They've been doing it since they were children. And it's it's a slightly different 
wrestling form, which I'll talk about in a little bit, but uh, it offers an understanding of the movement of the body that's just unparalleled in Japan. Yeah, absolutely. A side note, can we talk about the outfits, though? Please, because they... Seriously, were my initial interest. Remember, well, I came running in and I was like, have you seen these? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen these outfits? Well, it's like, it's so appealing to my eye because it's it looks like, like sort of like Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman yeah, right? Because it's red boots. and blue and then like some booties, some sexy booties. Yes. And then some these, high booties. Yeah. And shrugs. Like, yeah. And, and they're, they're big boys and they're dressed up in like these Wonder Woman outfits. And I'm not meaning to... Make the, it's so it's actually quite sexy. It's very appealing, but it's very confusing to the eye in the beginning, and then you kind of learn the meaning behind everything that they're wearing, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. But I love that it's traditional, and also in the same way, a mawashi is very revealing. Uh-huh. This is very revealing. So Mongolians were like, what, you want me to put on what? Okay, cool. <laughs> Whereas everybody else like would be, uh, you you were asking me to put on. Mawashi on? No thanks. Yeah, so they are these nice little tidy whitey briefs, but they're blue speedos. or yeah, speedos or, or red. I have seen a green one. I saw a green one. Yeah, in I one thought of the maybe that was just the fading in the I've, washing process. So. <laughs> I wondered about I that too. <laughs> yeah, and they have white designs on them of all kinds, and the shrugs are like totally open in the front, and they're so they have long sleeves. And they are tied on with a rope. Yeah, it's and, off the shoulder. Yeah, totally off the shoulder. And so do you chest, know why? I do, but would you like to share? No, I mean, I know why, because I thought it was really interesting. But uh, basically, way back when, 1700s, I don't know, there was a princess, and she entered the Nadam Festival, which is this huge festival in the summer that all Mongolians come to participate mm-hmm. in. It's the three sports. It's archery, it's horseback riding, and it's wrestling. Mm-hmm. And in this huge football arena-type place they have just like hundreds of matches going on at the same time people come to watch mm-hmm. a, a woman competed and she won this was before the open yeah. shrugs yeah, right right and she had she, they, uh, some sort of different top on but i guess yeah and she, she beat the men and, and then so... right when she beat them she ripped open her jacket and showed her bare breasts <laughs> and the men were horrified they were totally embarrassed and then they've kept women out and, of it yeah then they changed since. the rules so... that said you have to show your breasts to, <laughs> yeah. so that we can make sure you are not a woman but what they gave us were these sexy little outfits that Yes. We tend to like yes. a lot. And there's a great hat that they Yeah, it looks take. kind of like a teapot. It does, a little bit, yeah. And they take a little off. fire. Yeah, they take off their hat to wrestle, and then it goes back on. It has like a big red ribbon down the back that has like their military, like, yeah, not the, military, ranks. the ranks. Yeah, yeah. That, that was added pretty recently. They didn't have that for a long time. Yeah, and sometimes this gold medallion. But front, when yeah. I was watching them compete, the thing I found the most beautiful and I love that it has such a connection to our wrestlers is after you win a match the guys take these kind of bird-like stances running steps and then they raise their arms in the air like an eagle Mm -hmm. and they prance around they take like a victory lap kind of walking around with this bird stance and it is the the pre-game and the Mm post-game ritual is beautiful and it's obviously symbolic of birds and that's yeah. the beautiful thing about Hakaho and Kakaru and their their his their Shikona and why there's this connection to birds in the Mongolian society that motion is symbolic of a bird 
landing, mm-hmm. like gently landing on the field and showing its power and its prowess. And they do it from side to side initially and probably to show that they have nothing else on board, you know. <laughs> or hiding those breasts. Yeah, <laughs> not hiding anything. I wish yeah, I could go back in beautiful. time and just be like, oh, been there when that princess was like, and hey, look at my today. Look at me, I won. I won. <laughs> Do you know that there's around 30,000 active wrestlers who wrestle year-round in Mongolia today? Isn't that cool? Yeah. And at the Nadam Festival, they will have... This is the main one. Like, every little territory has its Nadam Festival in the summer. But the main one that happens in July in the capital city has between 500 and 1,000 men all wrestling. Isn't oh, that crazy? And they're these beautiful beasts. They're huge. They're they're big. It's so interesting to watch. Ladies, they are gorgeous. Ladies, they're gorgeous. And uh, you can go online and you can or men. watch. You can just appreciate That's the right. fine Ladies form. or gentlemen, it does not matter what your preference is. If I had to These choose street men. fighters, I would choose all of them. <sighs> it's called, am I pronouncing this right? Book. That's the style of wrestling in Mongolia. That's what it's called. It's I don't know. B-O-K-H. There's a lot more to know about the styles of wrestling because I started to see something about three separate styles of wrestling that have mm. different rules to each one. I didn't get past sort of the general rules, which I can tell you about in a little bit. The main one, though, that's similar to sumo is that the first person to hit the ground, really, with their back and their shoulders. No, no. no. The, the main rule is you can put your hands on the ground, but you can't put your elbows or your knees. Oh. Okay. Or your back. Or your back. Okay. Yeah. But some of these in the Nadam Festival, some of these tournaments or these matches can go on for four hours. Yeah. You want to talk about endurance. Yeah. The Mongolian wrestlers, that's what they do. They practice all day long growing up with each other and their, and their school friends practicing this. It's incredible endurance. Yeah. That's one of the main differences between sumo wrestling and Mongolian wrestling is that there's no time limit in Mongolian wrestling. It just goes until it's done, which means that sometimes you could have a match that's two and a half to four hours long, which is incredible. No water breaks? Uh, I didn't see anything about a water break. No, I think they just go until someone loses. It's also different in that Mongolian wrestling is not done in a ring. It's in a big, huge open field. There's some footage of like it might be happening in a tent or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, it is year round. So for since they have some of the hottest and then some oh. of the coldest winters, they have tournaments all year round and they are indoors okay. you know, in the winter months. Okay. So that could be. But there's there's still no ring. So they can wrestle like right into the stands or they can wrestle right into the judge's table. <gasps> like there's some great footage of guys just throwing each over onto a table and you're like oh my god somebody's gonna get hurt but they just keep it's wrestling legal too yeah it's crazy <laughs> it was There's... funny because i was listening to you watch it upstairs uh-huh. and i was having the same reaction downstairs as i was watching i was like i how have i also how have i missed this how have i missed this in my life but you were like oh <laughs> oh <laughs> because... it's like she must be watching mongolian wrestling yeah because it is even it's an even more raucous affair than sumo. 
Kind of looks I've like a bar fight, a but no punching. Bit, a little bit. There's no punching, but it's so athletic. And it's like these men will grab the other guy however they can by the briefs, by that little rope that goes around their waist, and they'll just lift them straight up in the air, like legs of the other wrestler flying, kicking, and they'll try to throw them down to the ground. And the wrestler on top will just like hug onto the other guy and not go down to the ground. Amazing. And the, it's like they're twisting all around each other as they're standing and like moving hands down you could be like this wrestler's definitely losing his hands are on the ground the other wrestler has his feet and he'll somehow flip around and flip the other guy to the ground i mean it's it you is can understand crazy. how warriors you know would do this how an army yes. would do this in battle yes there was that story about chingis khan and it was originally used wrestling was to in many ways to defeat by death your yeah. enemy and there was a story somewhere in there about he he had his political opponent come and fight with his like he brought his wrestler and then chingasan brought his big wrestler and they wrestled to the death whereas like they the chingasan's guy had the other guy on the ground in a position where he looked up at chingasan and was like is this a make or break like is this the is this the time and I imagine like in Game of Thrones when they give like their hands up or their thumb thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah. He's like, I give you a thumbs down. And just then he cracked the oh. other guy's back and killed his political enemy's oh. wrestler just like that. So it's brutal. I mean, even though they don't do it to the point of killing the other person out, you can understand the root of it. How they could. How they could. I, I don't like to think about that part of it. Or I Dak like... Prescott's injury. Me either. <laughs> At the same time, they're training humility, they're training patience, yeah. they're training responsibility, they're training... That's like, the sunny knowing, side of it. Yeah, knowing where that edge is. They're even, they say that they're training kindness yeah. into each other. And I can get that. I really can get that by watching these wrestlers. When you lose in one of these Mongolian wrestling matches, you untie your rope belt and then you sort of dip under the arms of the victor. Similar then, to the sumo and bowing. Yeah, very similar in that way. Thank you for bringing me back to sumo because let me let me do mention of a few other things about sumo versus Mongolian wrestling. There's not any huge tachi eyes in Mongolian wrestling. I will say that's one thing I do miss because these guys don't tend to be as big as sumo wrestlers and they just you'll start out a match and these guys will just kind of approach each other and sometimes they'll even put their foreheads together mm -hmm. and they'll kind of it's almost like sussing each other out and mm -hmm. it made me think of that moment in the last sumo tournament where I was like they're forehead to forehead and they're like pushing as hard as they can on their foreheads what are they doing that for I saw a lot of that in Mongolian wrestling I think it's a little of where are you going to go? Where am I going to go? I'm feeling through my head and neck where your power is. That happens a lot in Mongolian wrestling. As I said before, wrestlers in Mongolian wrestling can put their hands on the ground and you're still in, you're still legal. Just you can't put your knees, elbows, or back to the ground. The biggest difference in Mongolian wrestling, you'll have a lot of men wrestling at once, which is the other thing that makes it seem like a bar fight because there'll be a big <laughs> open field and you're like, there are 50 men 75 men 
all wrestling in pairs. I have to say that's another one of the coolest thing about watching these documentaries because they'll be interviewing someone and there'll be like 30 men behind them all wrestling each other, partner after partner. And you're like, how am I going to listen to this interview? Because there's these beautiful men back there wrestling. And I would really like to watch the men back there wrestling. <laughs> but Asa Shoryu, you're pretty cool too. But the men behind you in those Wonder Woman outfits are so amazing. It kind of reminds me in some ways of the Coliseum. Yeah. You can imagine. I mean, although there's not lions and, uh, and chariot races, but the same sort of chaotic nature that you've seen in Hollywood movies of what happens in the Coliseum yes. is just all these things happening and all this <laughs> brutal fighting. It just kind of looks like that to my eye. It's so cool. Yeah. Asa Shoryu also said it teaches men to think independently. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. I can see how it would. Yeah. You've got to like pick your moment to get in there and go for it. And then you just have to respond to whatever happens. Mm -hmm. And people can coach you from the outside all they want, but you're the only one in there. And it's just one person to one person, strength against strength. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. I watched a training session for Mongolian wrestling, which was so cool. Did you see this documentary? No, I didn't. Okay. I was watching another guy who was like trying to actually wrestle with a real Mongolian wrestler. And he was like kind of sorry if you're the guy that I'm talking about who's kind of this dweeby like American guy who's like oh I'm here to I know talk which to one. you about Mongolian wrestling <laughs> he just got smashed and he just got smashed by this <laughs> incredible brute who just picked him up who like he's him a up, sack of and potatoes then the guy was like oh that kind of hurt and, like you could see there was much more pain behind his eyes and I was like dude what are you doing I appreciate well, these it these guys but... are these guys are wrestling in the rocky rocky pastures of mongolia yeah there's no like mat. they're getting slammed <laughs> to the ground in a dirt field with pebbles and stuff on it i cannot imagine doing that my entire life you must get used to it but watching this training session helped me understand a little bit more yes mongolian wrestlers do go to the gym sometimes if they live in the big city, they do. But there's an awful lot of people that live outside the capital city. And their training looks like a whole bunch of guys drive to one place. They get out of their car. And it's just like a big open field with maybe a stream going by. And they do runs. They do jogs for miles and miles. And then they sprint up mountainsides. And then they do squat jumps. Oh, like, my gosh. Like all the way down to your heels and jump forward with two feet, 200 yards down the way. And then they do the squat jumps backward, squatting down to their heels and jumping back both feet. And then they do like lunge walks. And I'm thinking, okay, this is like some terrible like park workout. <laughs> but that's not the end. Then they run again up and down the hillsides. Whoa. And then they pick up their buddy and they walk them across the flowing stream with pebbles moving like wife underneath. carrying? Yeah. They carry their 300-pound buddy oh on their back <laughs> across the river, back and forth, and they trade off like that, carrying them on their shoulders or, or piggyback however they can. We're such wusses I compared know. to them. So they do that several times, <laughs> and then they cool off in the river, and then they do push-ups and sit-ups, and if anybody does like a half-assed push-up, they start the number count all over again. Oh, so, so there's like, some accountability. Yes. Push-ups like crazy, then they do a little yoga. Well, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So right? if you're going to hunt with these guys, or if you're going to be in battle with these guys, you want to make sure that the weakest link is not your weakest link. Exactly. Then you do some pull-ups on a real janky-looking bar that's in the field that you've set up somehow, and then you wrestle. Oh my gosh. For hours. 
hours probably. Yes, for hours and hours and hours. No wonder. And there's no like in sumo, there's all this build up and I'm I'm sure you get your body ready and you although, have one match and you're done. Although when you watch a real practice. Yes, they do it for hours. They hours do it for hours going, going, going. They they don't stop like you see obviously in the in the U show. Race. Yes. Yes. It's crazy. If you are interested in watching some of this Mongolian wrestling, like I said before, I'm going to put some links to some really fantastic clips that you can watch on YouTube. So you can go to our website and find those in the show notes. You can just look up the Nadam Festival, and it's spelled N-A-A-D-A-M Festival. Mm -hmm. There's great clips of it online. You can go to Mongolia in July and see it for real, you'll get to see all this beautiful archery and horseback riding and wrestling yeah. and song and dance. Like in Japan, all the wonderful uh, singing of the Japanese titles and the names of the wrestler, that happens in Mongolia too. There's a wonderful tradition of music and vocalizing everybody's uh, status before wrestling matches that we haven't even touched on, but it's a whole nother world of that presentational singing and and the Mongolian song. What do you call it when they like the two tone singing, the Mongolian two tone singing? I can't remember the name of it know. right now for the life of me. They can split their vocal cords. Yeah, they can sing two notes at once. Oh wow. Um, Oh, I wish I could remember the name of it. But there's like all sorts of really wonderful musical traditions in Mongolia that we haven't even touched upon. And the pageantry of the costumes, I shouldn't call them costumes because they're uniforms that come from the Federation, but like all the decoration that's on the boots. It has meaning. And yeah, it all has a beautiful meaning. So there's so much more to be explored. So if you as a listener are interested in Mongolian wrestling, please look into it. You will find yourself lost in this wonderful wormhole of Mongolian wrestling. Yeah. It's fabulous. I'm like, what was this episode we just did? Was this just us fangirling about it, Mongolian yes, wrestling? Or did you guys actually learn anything? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully we kind of ignited something, a spark perhaps, to make you look into Mongolian wrestling. Yeah. But it will make so much more sense how good Hakaho is, how good, good Kakuru, uh, Haramafuji, Asashoryu, like all of these guys, when you kind of look at their ancestral hair, like their, their uh, upbringing in this wrestling tradition. Yeah, look at the amazing leg sweeps that are taking place in Mongolian wrestling and then watch a Hakaho fight or a Kakuru fight and go, oh, that's where they're getting those. Right. Yeah. It's really, really neat. I, I second that. So that is our style of sumo here at Sumo Kaboom. Yes, please tune in again for more info on the sport we love. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for following. Send us any questions to sumokaboom at gmail.com. Tell us what you're thinking, who you're following, what you're excited about. We'll get back to you. And also, if there happen to be any sort of local competitions that we don't know about, we know that there's possibly one coming up here, but we're not exactly sure. October 24th. Yes, the we 20th. Yeah, 20th annual US Sumo Open Tournament. We keep seeing online was rescheduled for October 24th without a live audience. But we don't have any more information than that. 
if you know more about that, please let us know. Yeah, we would love to watch some of that or just kind of figure out who the players are, how that's all going down, because... This last week with the Consulate Cup, it was so much fun to watch that. And we just really want to continue to support our USA sumo wrestlers and um, connect up with the community of sumo fanatics all over the U.S. That's right. Rock on, you guys. Till next week. See you later. Sayonara. Bye. Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. You want to come? Hey, in? you want to talk just, about Dak Prescott? I just want to get a shirt. What are y'all into? Well, we were Where? talking about Dak Prescott. We were. Well, Dak is a great player. Isn't and he? Hopefully, he'll be ready to go next year. Hopefully. Well, yeah, you never know how these things turn out, but usually they turn out well because knowing what you hear about Dak, he works hard. I'm sorry. I'm going to brush my teeth. Y'all go into <laughs> whatever you're into. <laughs> I gotta get ready for the Costco delivery. My my isolation event of the week. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Welcome to our studio slash parents closet. closet.